Williams, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and of course, 50 plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world. iHeartRadio as well today. We've got our good friend Josh Bernstein with us today. We wanted to get him on today because there's been a couple big major stories that have happened this week. Uh, there is news in the Affordable Care Act. And also, Joe Biden is not running for president. Uh, we we want to talk, first of all, with Josh um, here in this first segment about the Affordable Care Act. Josh is a uh, representative for AMAC. Go ahead, Josh, and uh, give us the latest on this Affordable Care Act. Well, again, it's a falsely named thing uh, being called the uh, Affordable Care Act. Uh, What's interesting about it is that we haven't seen the last of Obamacare and its vengeance against the American public. Uh, It's been touted as something that's permanent. They've talked about the fact that now the Supreme Court has upheld it twice. They've had an opportunity two times to uh, derail it, and they haven't done it. So a lot of people, including many in the administration and on the left, are saying that uh, it is absolutely permanent and, you know, just deal with it and move on, right? Well, the reality of the situation is, is it may be permanent as far as being a law or a bill, but there's no way that in its uh, present state that it can stay the way it is. The Obamacare bill, the Affordable Care Act, is imploding before our eyes, and all you really have to do is look at the numbers, because one, one of the things about math, math doesn't lie. And this administration likes to run around saying that 12 to 15 million people have signed up for Obamacare. The fact of the matter is, is about half of that number is the reality of what has signed up, because the other half are not paying for it. It's either being done through group insurance or it's being um, subsidized by the different states, which we'll talk about through the exchanges and the co-ops. So ultimately, the Supreme Court made a terrible decision based on politics and not on the reality of what's going to happen in the future. So they said, well, we can't have six million people that have actually paid their premiums to be now off of the insurance. Instead, they decided that they were going to uphold the law. But what they don't understand and what they haven't realized is that right now federal funds cover 100% of the health care costs for all eligible beneficiaries. In 2017, as it's written in the law, that number decreases to 95%. In 2018, that number decreases to 94%, 2019 to 93%, and by the year 2020, it decreases down to 90%, and it keeps on decreasing in small increments in subsequent years. So what does all this mean? Well, this basically means that the states who are already suffering under this administration's economic policies will now be even more strained as they will be forced to pick up more of the health care expenses, which in turn will make funding for other important things like security and education, other social services and what have you, much more difficult. So in the end, what's going to happen? These states, these municipalities, these cities, they're all going to either have to do one or two or three things. They're either going to have to file bankruptcy protection, They're going to either have to raise taxes on the working class people in the state to pay for the shortfalls or both. And so ultimately what we have to understand is that Obamacare in itself, the way it is now, it is imploding. You've got the co-ops not hitting the numbers. You've got the state exchanges not hitting the numbers. You even have the administration admitting that they're not seeing the enrollment numbers that they need in order to sustain it. So what happens? This is a great opportunity now 
for the conservatives, for the patriots, for the limited government folks of America to seize on this opportunity and come up with an alternative plan. Now, is that going to happen before 2016? I highly doubt it. Uh, but we're going to have to keep on this because, again, as this thing starts to implode and unravel, that will make it much easier for us to replace it with something better. Now, uh, how, how are the folks over at AMAC addressing all this? Well, again, we are lobbying very hard uh, on Congress to do the right thing, to not only take care of seniors, but to give them more choice in their health care decisions. Uh, we were not the ones that spent $2.8 billion lobbying the Obamacare administration to get Obamacare passed and then turn around and secretly exempt most of our members from AARP from being part of Obamacare. So again, when we lobby on behalf of Washington, it is for what's good for seniors, what's good for America, what's going to put more money in people's pockets, and ultimately more choice in their health care decisions. Again, you can find out more about us at www.amac.us, www.amac.us, or call 888-262-2006, 888-262-2006. We've got Josh Bernstein with us today. He is a uh, national radio and television host, and uh, he joins us each and every Friday, but we wanted to get him on today to talk about a couple of the different issues, because tomorrow's Friday segment, we're going to be spending it all on Hillary. <laughs> so today, we are uh, <laughs> we, we need to get a little house cleaning out of the way. Um, we're, we're talking about the Affordable Care Act, the uh, Obamacare. Um, one thing that... that I, I've got to get your thoughts on is the fact that, you know, everybody, all the progressives and all the liberals like to say, oh, well, well he gave his health care. And it's like, well, he really didn't because the, the pharmaceutical companies and the insurance companies got to him and they said, no, we don't like this, 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 and this. Take it out. Right. And then uh, he, he decided that he had to... You know, th- there was a couple other special interest groups, and so now we have this this thing that's not a conservative stance on healthcare. It's not a progressive stance on healthcare. I don't even really know what the hell this thing is. Well, basically, what you have to understand is that the way that the Unaffordable Careless Act, as I like to call it, was written, <laughs> yes, is that it's not supposed to make healthcare more affordable. In fact, it does quite the opposite. And more importantly, the Obama administration, they did not improve health care in America. Instead, they improved dependency on government in America. And that is the exact reason why it was passed in the first place. You see, the left understood that if they could just get their foot through the proverbial health care door, yes. and just crack it open a little bit, then what they could do is they could control the health care in this country, again, it takes over one-fifth of the, of the U.S. Uh, economy. It zaps our freedoms. It takes and puts a middleman in between us making decisions on our own health care choices, and that will continue on uh, as the Independent Panel Advisory Board, or a.k.a. as Sarah Palin rightfully called them, death panels, uh, has, has been put into place to control costs and ration costs and ration health care in the future. So what we have to understand is that 
everything that they have done has been on purpose because they don't want competition. They want this to be a single-payer system. And through attrition, over time, if they do everything and implement everything that they want to do, we won't have health care choices. It'll all be under the government. And that is exactly how it was designed in the beginning. We've got Josh Bernstein with us today, 22 minutes after the hour, talking about the Affordable Care Act in this segment. And uh, now, now with this whole thing, with, 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 with the Affordable Care Act, most politicians in Washington, and sadly most Americans, feel as though this thing is falsely named, uh, as we've been talking here. Um, tell me a little bit about how the Supreme Court upheld these two major challenges and sort of made this thing permanent. How, how, how did this happen? Well, I guess you can really look at, uh, at John Roberts uh, switching his vote uh, at the last minute. And, you know, what he did, I guess if you were a true conservative and a limited government type of person, a limited government, you know, budget hawk, if you will, and you really believed in what the Constitution stood for and stand for, and you believed in the separation of powers between the executive, the judicial, um, and the legislative, then you would have seen what John Roberts was attempting to do. In other words, he didn't go out and, and shoot it down completely, which is exactly what he should have done. So instead, he took the politically easier way of doing it by giving conservatives a, quote, wink, wink, and a nod, nod, by calling it a tax. The only difference and the only problem is that the Republicans were too stupid to understand his, uh, his olive branch, if you will, in this case, to say, oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. We control the purse, purse strings of America. You're right, it is a tax. So, therefore, because we levy taxes and because we can take taxes off, we can just do what? We can repeal the tax. And so I think John Roberts was thinking, okay, if I call it a tax, then the House Republicans hopefully are going to be smart enough, right, to realize that this is what I'm doing, wink, wink, and they can repeal it on their own, and I, John Roberts, don't have to be the fall guy for destroying Obama's legacy and his health care. Now, that's the analysis that I come up with just by looking at everything that has transpired. Now, the, the new decision that was just done in June on the co-ops and whether or not they were legal and all that, that was purely political. There's no question about it. The Supreme Court is... Uh, acknowledging some laws that they like, and they're acknowledging some laws that they don't. And what they did is they looked at this from a short perspective, and they said, okay, right now there's 6 million people that have paid premiums. If we go and, and say that this is um, unconstitutional, those 6 million people are going to immediately lose their coverage. We can't do that because then we'll be blamed for it. We'll be called uh, a radical court and, uh, and all these other things, right? Meanwhile, they're not looking at the long term. See, they're, they're Supreme Court justices. They're supposed to look at the Constitution. They don't look at the whole entire thing. And what they don't understand is the financial implications of their decision and past decisions. And in this case, it's a severe one because the way it is set up is to make states fail over time. We've got Josh Bernstein with us today, 25 minutes after the hour. We're going to take a quick time out here with the radio and television superstar. When we come back, we're going to keep chatting. We've got to talk about Joe Biden in our next segment. And we'll also maybe work in some Hillary reaction before tomorrow's segment. We've got more coming up.
back to our big broadcast, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, iTunes, and Radio Loyalty. Josh Bernstein with us today. And uh, Josh, let, let, let's let's talk a little bit now about this uh, Joe Biden situation. <laughs> what the heck did you think when you heard that Joe Biden was not going to run, but saw that speech and thought, what the hell? This sounds like he's running. Well, you know, he, he's one of those people that just can't let go of the spotlight. It doesn't matter what it is, kind of like Barack Obama. You know, he always wants to be in, in front of the cameras or looking at a teleprompter or what have you. But I think what happened here ultimately is, is, is a couple of correlations. Number one, the death of his son. Uh, and again, yeah. you know, uh, my thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family for having to deal with such a horrible tragedy. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think that as they've been dealing with that, they understand the rigors of what a presidential campaign has done. This would have been his third charm or his third time uh, doing this. And uh, I think it takes a lot. It takes a major toll on the family, number one. It's a lot of travel, number two. And I think he just got into the game a little bit late. I know a lot of the pundits uh, are saying that as well. Um, and so I'm looking at it from a standpoint is it good or is it bad that he's out? I, I think in some ways it's good, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm assuming then that would mean that Hillary would be the presumptive nominee. She's got more damage than a loaded 747. Yes. And as I've said in the past, I believe that she's very, very beatable. I believe that even her core base uh, of women are starting to desert her. Um, she does have the African-American vote for the most part locked up, and I'm sure that she's going to have the majority of the Hispanic vote locked up and the illegal votes locked up. Let's not forget, 5 to 7% in all actuality, unfortunately, is more than likely going to be illegal votes uh, for the Democrats. Now, when you have someone like a Donald Trump on the other side, independents love this guy. And if you look at all the polling, uh, independents absolutely despise Hillary Clinton. So not only does she have a woman problem, she has an independent problem, and more importantly, she has a man problem, because men can't stand her. Yep. So I think in some ways that if she ends up being the, the nominee, I'm, I'm assuming this is going to be a, a Republican year in 2016, at least I'm hoping so. And uh, if it is, and it is, and if it is Donald Trump, I'm hoping that he puts Ted Cruz in as uh, his vice president, because that will certainly shore up the conservative base motivate them and get them out there door knocking and doing what they can to make sure and bring uh, the Trump Cruz campaign over the finish line. We've got Josh Bernstein with us today. He joins us live here on our broadcast. And uh, Josh, that that is that is one thing I have noticed about the whole Hillary campaign is that she is just bad and determined she's going to be the Democratic nominee. And there are certain media folks that are just bad and determined that she's going to be the nominee. And this does not bode well for history because uh, usually what happens is it's eight years of a Republican, eight years of a Democrat, eight years. We're coming up on our beginning of yeah, our four years for need, a Republican. We need 16 years of a Republican in order to get this ship righted. That's the reality. Uh, who knows? Maybe Donald Trump will serve four years, start to get things straightened out, and then Ted Cruz will take over for eight more. I don't know. It'd be wonderful to, to see a scenario like that unfold, but I hope you're right. Look, from, from your lips to God's ears and, <laughs> and from a historical standpoint, you are correct, but look, we live in the year 2015. That too. Our military veterans are, 
are spit on in the streets and, and fired from their jobs and given those jobs to illegal aliens. We're living in a different time. We're living in a post-Constitution world, unfortunately, for at least 60 to 62 percent of the country as they, uh, uh, you know, are in love with uh, socialism and leftism. So we've got an uphill battle. This is going to be, I know the old cliche, the most important election of our lifetimes. Yeah. This really is it. I mean, if we don't get it right this time, then I don't know what's going to happen after that. I would imagine a revolution at some point. We've got Josh Bernstein with us today, 35 minutes after the hour. And uh, with, with Joe Biden not running and it being basically the Hillary show, um, is, is, is there going to be a situation where the Republicans are going to start, you know, filing out? I know at one point, you know, the, 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 the Koch brothers pretty much told uh, Scott Walker, they're like, okay, we need to start thinning the herd. And he was the first guy to go, okay, I'm leaving. <laughs> it's like the rest of them haven't gotten that memo. Um, no, they haven't. And I really <laughs> wish they would because I don't want to see 11 people on that debate stage. I want to three, see three or four. And yeah. the reason I want to see only three or four is not because I want less voices being heard, but the voices that are important to be heard, I want to have the opportunity to hear them. Yeah, so and you want to have them have the themselves. most time up there. Exactly. We don't want to have a Ted Cruz fighting to get six minutes in a two-hour show. You know what I mean? We want, <laughs> yes. We want to have a situation where they can actually... You know, give their their vision for America in an intelligent and intellectual way, and allow the American people to decide. You know who who should be what. But you know what? A lot of this running for president these days is to sell books, is to yeah. get notoriety, it is to become a uh, Fox News contributor at some point. You know, hey, I ran for president. Oh, okay, yeah, we'll give you a hundred grand a year, and well, you know, you can uh, you can you know do political advice. Meanwhile, be honest with you, I would smoke every single one of them on Fox News. But hey, yeah. that's a story for another day. <laughs> um, and so I think that uh, I would like to see the thinning of the herd myself. Well, uh, Josh Bernstein's our guest. Thirty-seven minutes after the hour, um, let's shift over to the to the Democratic side here of the coin. Um, Bernie Sanders and Hillary are are that the polls say they're neck and neck. There's there's other polls that say different. Uh, Jim Webb is out of this thing. Did he ever really have much of a shot or? What no, was what was his because deal? Because he's not a committed, admitted socialist, radical, leftist, progressive collectivist. That's why. Because he has a shred of sanity left inside of him. He understands and respects the Second Amendment. And uh, he understands that all lives matter. So, yes, uh, you are correct. He never had a shred of hope in that far-left loony party. That would be the first thing that I would say. The second thing that I would say is he's about as conservative as John McCain or Lindsey Graham the state, and I welcome him to run in Virginia for the Senate as a Republican because we could we could use the votes. We've got Josh Bernstein with us today. Now the uh, CNBC debate is set. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to be doing a a matinee debate or whatever. Uh, I looked at that list and it's got Lindsey Graham and the usual suspects, and I'm like, those guys have no chance. <laughs> None. Yeah, I, I don't understand why they're still doing, you know, the kids' table uh, event. It really doesn't make much sense at this point. I think it's just a, a waste of time. Uh, one person on the at the kids' table that I really like, uh, to be honest with you, is Bobby Jindal. 
but uh, unfortunately, for whatever reason, he he, you know, he hasn't been able to resonate uh, and get into the top tier. So I don't know. I think uh, the whole thing uh, with the kids' table is uh, ridiculous. But I think there's a more pressing issue, and it's not the CNBC debate. It is the fact that Paul Ryanoceros is now being the oh, yes. thought of presumptive new House Speaker. Uh, yeah, that's my word, Paul Ryanoceros. I've been saying it on the television <laughs> You can awesome. use it. Just give me credit for it. I don't mind. <laughs> but, uh, look, this guy's got a conservative heritage scorecard record of 55. For God's sakes, McCarthy was at least a 63. So we need somebody who's a, who's a, a conservative. Uh, I'm definitely against Paul Ryan being the speaker. Uh, and plus, you know, what, you know he's comrade uh, Ryan now because he's demanding all these things and I don't really want the job but I tell you what folks if you really want me to do the job you're going to have to meet all of these demands you're going to have to rotate the tires on my car you're going to have to scrub my bumpers of my car with a toothbrush I mean it, it's ridiculous the things that he's asking I can never be removed uh, it would make it virtually impossible to have me removed so that when I start to be the biggest cheerleader for the people that have endorsed me which is Luis Gutierrez the most radical pro-amnesty uh, person in the House. You've got Bella Pelosi, you've got Dingy Harry Reid, and you've got, of course, Barack Obama. They're my biggest endorsements. So when I start to cheerlead for them and continue on with the leftist legislation that they want to bring down the pike, you can't remove me from the speakership. But I'll run if you agree to those terms. And the Freedom Caucus is now gone. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's visionary. <laughs> I, I like him. Yes. What the heck are we doing here? This is insanity. And even Webster, who again is rated a 79, I believe, on the Heritage Scorecard. I want a 95, man. I want a Jim Jordan. I want a Louis Gohmert. I want a Jim Bridenstine. I want somebody who we know is going to stand up and be that, you know, that stopgap that we need so sorely has been lacking in the House to combat the executive power overreach. Yeah. Yeah, that that that's the thing. And and that's that's the deal with Paul Ryan is I just don't understand why they went and decided well he's our guy. <laughs> I'm like there's a bunch of other options. There's so many other options. Again, another one that I really like is Marsha Blackburn. I think that she would do fantastic. Uh, I like Jim Jordan, as I said. Um, you know, I, I like, uh, you know, even some of the others. I know Trey Gowdy's busy doing, you know, what he's doing right now. But ultimately, there's got to be somebody that's a, a, a more conservative person than Paul Ryan. I mean, look, he was, uh, you know, he's a Jack Kemp clone. That was his idol. He was Mitt Romney's running mate. That didn't do so well for him. Uh, and, and all these people that are endorsing him, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, even Jason Chavitz goes, oh, if Paul Ryan was to run, oh, I'd definitely back him, absolutely. And then you got Daryl Issa going, I did everything but just about carry his gym bags for him. And I'm like, what, what is going on with these people? It doesn't make any sense. It seems like everybody is just into their own thing, and they don't care about the people. They're not even listening to us. And that's why I've instructed people to contact the 40 members of the Freedom Caucus. Uh, every one of them, you can go to contactingthecongress.org. It's a free website. You put, you put in your state, and it'll give you the numbers and the information. 
and start hammering on these folks and tell them, look, we're not going to accept Paul Ryan. We don't want a rhino, Paul Ryanoceros, in a speaker. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Josh, before we let you go, I know that you're a, you're a busy man uh, when, when it comes towards the weekend. What do you have lined up uh, th- 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 this evening and this weekend for the radio show and everything? Well, for the, for the television show, again, you folks can go to uh, Star Worldwide Networks with an S at the end, starworldwidenetworks.com. Uh, you can also go to my website, Josh Bernstein Political Writer.com, or you can just Google Josh Bernstein, you know, television show host. You'll find tons of information. But I actually uh, have Dr. Miles Saunders on. He is wow. a neurosurgeon, uh, brain surgeon, and uh, has been in the field for 40 years. He's uh, performed over 4,000 operations on the brain and spinal cord. And uh, he talks about his new book, which is called A Clean Bill of Health, and he talks about the true, the true real state of America's health care system. And the more this Obamacare is allowed to be uh, integrated into all of our lives, the worse off we're going to be. We're not going to be able to keep our doctors. We're not going to be able to keep our insurance, nor will we even be able to keep our group insurance because, again, it was never designed for that. And, again, that's why we talked about earlier in the beginning, and I put out the article that I put out as that press release because that was after having the interview with him. The show will air Friday night at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, again, on StarWorldWideNetworks.com. Well, good stuff. We will talk to you tomorrow, sir, about Hillary. Thanks for being with us today. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Josh Bernstein with us today. We're going to take a time out. Hello, everybody. I'm Kip Marlowe, author of The Entrepreneur's Success and Sacrifice. If you're interested in starting a business, growing your current one, or just need some inspiration,